know about you, but have you ever been to a place and it turned out not as good as the brochure said it would be? Has that ever happened to you? I hope that when you come back on your holiday, it's been as good as the brochure said. I once did a tour in Lincoln Cathedral. Now, what you have to understand about Lincoln Cathedral is it's quite high. In fact, you really have to want to go to church to go to the cathedral because it's up a really steep hill. And at the top is this magnificent cathedral in Lincoln. You can see for miles from it. And uh, it, it said, do the Lincoln roof tour. And I thought, Kathy, this is going to be amazing. It's going to be amazing. It's so high anyway. We're going to have to be clamped on to look and walk around the roof there. We'll be able to see for miles. And Kathy was going, okay, that's something we could do. Or we could just try to eat. No, let's do the roof tour. It's going to be great. So it was a brilliantly sunny day. You can see for miles. And I said, Kathy, when we get up there now, Lincoln Cathedral is one of the tallest cathedrals in the country. Life was just so excited about this. And I can see that you are sharing my excitement right now. And I was out there, and the tour was a tour of the inside of the roof. It was the most rubbish thing I've ever been to. It was this man who explained about medieval wood and A-frames and how they didn't have proper nails in those days, so they put it together in these joints and, oh, look at these medieval ways in which they put the A-frame together. We spent an hour and a half in the, in the cathedral's attic looking at all the wood. Something is really hard. 
We have this saying that says it's like kicking walls up a hill. And I wonder sometimes in your life whether you think that church becomes really hard. You can get a bit bruised, can't you? And actually, uh, you know, I don't know about you, but have you ever seen the brochure of soap? I grew up there. It's nothing like the brochure, I'll tell you that. And sometimes church can seem different than what it actually is. And, and it's not that God is making a brochure. Actually, when God describes the church, he's trying to get us to live up to what it should be. Let me read you another passage in Hebrews chapter 12. And uh, verse 22, too, would be there if, you, if you've got a chance. This is what uh, the scripture says about you. This is you. Hebrews 12, verse 22 says, But you have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God. This is like a precursor to heaven. To the heavenly Jerusalem. You have come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly. Did you know that while we were singing, that there were thousands of angels singing with us today? That God assigned angels over this place. That he says, right, join in with my saints now. Oh, you don't know much about worship, do you? We've, we've joined with angels as we worship. Once we had a young girl in our church, sadly she's died now, but she looked up and saw angels singing with us here in this building. You have come to thousands and thousands upon angels in joyful assembly, to the church of the firstborn, whose names are written in heaven. Do you realize that your name exists in a place that is not in this world? Someone's need to start thinking about, well, what's God saying about that? You have come to God, to the judge of all, the spirits of the righteous made perfect. You've come to the mediator of a newcomer that speaks a better word. You know, I don't know about you, but sometimes church does seem hard, and there are times when it's hard because we really have an opposition against us or, or we need a breakthrough and, you know, or we need a healing. But I want to say to you, what I say, what I said to myself when I was doing Couch to 5K, when I first started learning to run 5 kilometers, I don't go much further than that anyway. Every day in the you want to do a marathon, I'm saying, no, 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 you know. But I, when I couldn't run, I did it a little bit, and then a little bit more, and a little bit more. And if you're feeling really down today, and feeling like this isn't working, let me just say to you that if you do a bit, and then do a bit more, and do a bit more, over time, you will have a breakthrough. It will come. I remember when I ran for 20 minutes non-stop for the first time that I'd done in years. It was a breakthrough. And it's the same in our spiritual lives, that, that we, can, we all go through seasons that are hard. God is good all the time, but sometimes it's hard. But if you'll do a little bit, and then do that consistently, and then keep going, God will break through. You see, the Bible gives us a promise, a smoking flax or a bruised reed, he won't break, or a smoking wick or flax, he won't put it out. 
You might not have a little light. You just might have a bit of smoke. But he's not going to stop you out. He's going to fan in his flame. The embers again. It's going to breathe on you and bring you back to life. So when we talk about church in these glowing terms, you need to understand that he's yet got plans for you as his people. No matter how strong or weak you feel, he's got plans for you and he's wanting to bring you into everything that he wants for you. There are three key ideas. I'm going to tell you seven things. This is the first three. There are three key ideas about being the church. First of all, we are devoted. The Bible says that the early church was devoted to the apostles' doctrine and prayer. This sacred sense of focus in our lives that separated us to God and His way of living. We are to be devoted people. That's what the church is. Now you know what that means is we can't let everything into our mind. We can't have our cake and eat it. I never understood that phrase, by the way. But, you know, if you have cake, why don't you just eat it? Well, you can't just have everything. I, I am a big fan of Dina Asher Smith at the moment, and she's going to win 100 metres, I'm sure, of it at the, at the World Championships. And I think she's going to beat the American eventually. But, but you see, she can't allow everything in her life because she's devoted. You are devoted. That's what the church is. And so you have to say, something is in, something is not in. Amen? Yeah. Second thing is that you're disciples. That means you are learning something always, and God is trying to download something of his character, something of his ministry. You've got a model and a pattern to go after, and you ever need to apply that to your life. That we never stop being devoted and disciples. But he says, go and make disciples. He says, observe the commands. Baptize people. We have a message and something that we need to follow. So we are those people. third thing about you is that you are destined. That you've got a plan, you've got a purpose, and there is something in your life that God has for you. In fact, the Bible says, but listen, he says it to the whole church, and we've made it individual, but I want to bring it back to the whole church as well as individual. God says he has prepared works for you in advance to do, it's in Ephesians 2 verse 10. You are destined to do something. Now, if you're here and you say, well, I'm not a part of the church, you might understand, you need to understand this, God has a plan for your life. What I've noticed is this, that when progress soars in a Christian, it's something around those three things. It's something about devotion. It's something about their discipleship. Or it's something about their sense of destiny and identity. It's something where they have lights on their devotion or felt like that they can mix it with everything. It's something about that they haven't been keen in their discipleship to really press after Jesus. Or it's something about their sense of identity and destiny in God. I want to do it today to be church. And that's what we're going to talk about in the next little while. This is how to be church. Can I just...
pause at this moment in this message and say, devoted, discipled, destined. That's your identity. That's your progress. Can you begin to kind of breathe in and say, yeah, I, let me be that person, Lord. Now, church has huge ideas. It really is. There's massive ideas about church, and we can talk quite a lot. But in, in many ways, we talk a lot about what the church should do. But I want to start this kind of building on what Pablo said last week. I want to start this kind of message to say, in fact, I would like to talk to you about what goes on in here when we gather when you gather in your small group, when you gather here on Sundays, when you gather as a community. You see, I believe, and I know that it's scriptural, that we are to be a well, not a wall. That we understand that we are to be a deep well of what God wants to bring to people, and not just walls to hide behind or sit behind. When God was establishing the nation of Israel during Isaac's time, Abraham, first of all, dug some wells, and Isaac had to redig the well. And I want to talk to some of you older Christians. I think it's time you've got to redig some wells in your life. And those wells have got to go deeper than they were before. That you actually know the language of the well, but the well isn't dug up. Suddenly God will be quiet in here. Isaac said this in chapter two, Genesis 26. He said, it says this, the day Isaac's service came and told him about the well they had dug, he said we found water and they called it Sheba. And to this day, the town has been called, been called their Sheba. And when Isaac was trying to establish the nation, establish the family and build on what Abraham had done so that they could flourish, they established these wells, and they were more than just watering holes, or we would say petrol stations. I'm not talking today about let's go to church for a top wall. Actually, the wells became places of encounter, places of oath and meeting and agreement. In fact, Beersheba means the well of seven oaths, or the well of perfect agreement. And in Beersheba, God met Abraham there. He met Isaac there. He met Jacob there. Actually, it became an encounter place. And he actually met Elijah near there and restored him. You see, church is supposed to be a well, not a wall, to sit behind. It's supposed to be a place where you meet God and hear God and make agreements with God and have transformative things about God. And, and I know that lots of people talk about us going out there, and, and I'll get to that. But before we do that, I wonder, when you come here, what's happening? What's going on? This is what uh, Jacob said, uh, the Lord said to Jacob when he went to be a sheep. He said, I am the God of your father Abraham. Do not be afraid, for I am with you. I will bless you. I'll increase your number of your descendants for the sake of my servant Abraham. You see, when we come and sit on these chairs, let's have a strong sense 
that we gather together for a purpose. We gather together for God to communicate to us. We gather together to change. We gather together to encounter God in a way that we can't on our own. Am I alone in this building or is anybody with me? You see, we're not just ticking a box. We're actually gathering together to be infused with something that we couldn't get on our own. Actually, this place has to become a well of encounter. If you're here for the first time, and maybe you thought, this is a bit different. That's because it is different. It is something to wrestle with. And there is a little bit of a mystery to what goes on here. But stay with us and try and be open in your heart. In fact, I would say that to everybody. You've got to come open because who knows what God might want to say to you today. It's not that you can't hear God in other places. Of course not. But we've thumbed it down. We've almost said, oh, we go to church and we serve and we do that. And then God talks to us in my workplace and we'll get to all of that. But can I draw you all back? We are here to encounter the living God. In our meetings and in our community and amongst each other. Who knows? God may want to give you a word to share with someone else today. And he's training you. He's training you here. So let me tell you four things about what happens when we gather. But can I appeal to you to come open? Ready. Not rushing. Ready. When we come together, we celebrate. Somebody has cruelly said that we're the only army that celebrates before the battle and uh, before it's really been won. But can I draw you back 2,000 years ago that we celebrate because we have a victory already in Christ? And, and when we celebrate together, what are they all singing about? What are they all celebrating about is because we say, well, thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. That actually, that I was lost and I was completely done in. And Christians, if you've been a Christian a long time, never forget that without the work of the cross, you are lost. And it's always worth remembering and celebrating and saying, Jesus, thank you that you died for me on your cross. And then also, we celebrate because God is giving us victories based on that all-consuming victory of the cross. And you might be going through a difficult time, but he's giving you victory as you walk through your life. In fact, 1 John 5, 4, verse 4 says, but everyone who's born of God overcomes this world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Our ongoing victory is that as we connect with Him, God shows us how to live. And so that's one of the reasons we celebrate. We celebrate because He fights our battles with us. Did you know that if you've had the worst week in your life, that God cares about that and he's going to fight that battle with you and you don't have to fight it on your own. Yeah. 
This is how we fight our battles. So when we come together, what we're doing when we're celebrating is actually we are recalibrating our hearts. Let's face it, our country is in a mess at the moment. It is. It doesn't matter which side of the spectrum you're on, we are in a mess, but Jesus still died on the cross for me. He is still my Savior and my Redeemer. And my hope is not in this world, but it's beyond this world to a God who lives forever. Amen, church. Now, for those of you getting discouraged and worried by the political situation, hold on to the fact that your name is written not on the electoral roll. You're going to have to use it in a few weeks, I'm sure of that. But you are going, your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And it's difficult and it, and it takes time. 
But unless you surround your nights, coffee knocked and seize the night and give it to God, you've got to surround it in worship. And when you surround it in worship, it gradually becomes something whereby in 2 Corinthians it says, by the comfort of Christ, we comfort other people. Eventually, you can use that experience to help others. Eventually, it will come to be a light for someone else. And what you have to do to seize the night is say, God, what, what are you teaching me? Well, you see, it means you have to have a posture that's open. If you come to this place wrapped up, saying nobody can tell me anything different, I've got the worst life in the world. If you come all closed, you've got to allow yourself to be open so that you can seize the night. Cave noctem. Seize the night. Put God in. I love the, the greatest miracle in the Old Testament where the sun stands still. It only happens because Joshua is prepared to march through the night. Joy does come in the morning. But you may have to go through the night. And when we come here, we're real about life and we encourage each other in that. But if you come late, leave early, how can God encourage somebody from you? You see, we come to each other in our struggles. The third thing that happens, and some people think I'm really shallow when I say this, but the third thing that happens, when we come together, this is a well of healing. That actually things happen in this moment that couldn't have happened before, the Bible says, therefore, you will draw water and joy out of the wells of salvation. You can draw something even today. It's not that, that God won't have a process later on, and I qualify all of that, but let me, let me bring you back to today. This day, today, God wants to place things in your life that can change you and build you so that things can be different going into Monday. It's a well of healing. Don't come to church thinking, well, that's that done now. I'll get back to my problem life. Come and say, God, speak to me today. Bring healing to me today. Change me today. Teach me something today. Impart something into my mind today. Put something into my heart today. Strike the light back home today. Give me a new vision today. Let me see something different today.
There's a takeaway bit. There's something to take with you. And I want to go back and share just a little bit of a quippy that, that we have that we picked up last year in UK and beyond. Jay John stood on this platform and he said to us, you know, if you want to impact the world, and as you are equipped, you can do it in a three-point plan. Prayer, care, and share. I don't often do this. Everybody say prayer. prayer. The Bible says, pray for everyone. Pray for kings, pray for rulers. And then it says, pray for everyone, to see for everyone. Pray for everyone. You know, I, uh, when I was learning to, to kind of be a minister, can I tell you something weird? Can I tell you a weird thing? I was walking down the street, and uh, an old lady came walking up towards us. And then this strange thing happened. You know, I said, oh, Lord, bless this old lady. And then it felt like I was connected. It's all literal, so don't get a weird thought. I was connected to her as she walked past me. And then I felt like I had an elastic band around my waist and she had an elastic band around her waist. I know this is a weird story. Okay? I'm just telling you what happened. Okay? I know it's weird. But this is what happened. As I walked, I was going my way and she was going that way. This band, this elastic band got tighter and tighter and tighter. I don't know about her, but I believe it's like I couldn't step forward and then it snapped. And the Lord said, Is she not into eternity more? Do you ever care? Do you pray for people?
prayer, care, and then share. If you, it's amazing. If you pray a lot for people, it's amazing how many opportunities you get to share with people. It's amazing how many opportunities you'll get to share. See, when we come together, we need to be equipped. Today I've told you seven things. I've told you that you were devoted. I told you that you were a disciple of true. I told you you've got a destiny. You don't look that happy about it. Well, I'm going to tell you anyway. And then when we come together, we celebrate God's victory, but actually we're recalibrating our minds and our outlook so that we can walk in the ways of faith. And then we're going to comfort each other in our losses. We're going to get around each other and say, you know what, that was tough. But we're going to seize that night and bring it back to God. And then, uh, I was saying, saying to you that it's really important that you come open to receive every week that God's got a word 